Hey, it's me again, the Right Reverend John St. Germain, welcoming you yet again to another show of the Crystal Silence League Hour. And tonight we're going to discuss the rise of the spiritual church and various saints and Black Hawk and other things, um, including the blessed service, the devil's funeral, and other such rituals. So, hey, grab some coffee and stuff and chips and dip and come on back. See you in a minute. I just can't wait, oh, I don't know, five or six years from now, to read what history books will be saying about the time we're living in now. Or college students, you know, 10, 15 years from now, writing essay papers about the events that are transpiring today. You know, grad thesis studies about, uh, yes, and... Um, 2018, the President of the United States was being sued by a porn star, and I, I just don't think they're going to believe it. I, I really don't. After a debate in which the presidential um, nominees were comparing penis size and uh, hand size and insulting each other's wives, the president was sued by a porn star. I think they're just going to think it was a bad novel or something. And say, not none of that really happened, but you know, of course, it did. We're living through those times, folks. I just, I, I don't know. I find it a hard time believing it. Um, I am myself drinking coffee. I've been working all day on the expansion of Divine Harmony Spiritual Church. We're building a East Wing and a West Wing, which will be a Black Hawk Power Shrine and a Crystal Cathedral. The Black Hawk Power Shrine is coming along quite nicely, and we're um, partially through, almost all the way through, in fact, with the um, exterior anyway of the Crystal Cathedral, which will be a place of quiet meditation and repose from the madness of the day's events. And I don't know about you, but uh, man, I'm witnessing grotesque things during this Mercury retrograde. I'm about to compose a special spiritual work called Hide Your Ass Under a Rock <laughs> Until It's Over. My, my clients have been calling me with uh, gruesome stuff. Uh, this is one of the worst uh, Mercury retrogrades in recent memory. Uh, of course, it did start in Aries, which is Mars, which is considerable aggression. The next one is in Leo, which may be better. I don't know. I kind of hope. So we'll see. Anyway, it's over around, what, uh, April 15th or so, about the time tax season, <laughs> your taxes are due. So, hey, good luck with that. After Mars is through with you, the IRS gets a hold of you. So out of the frying pan into the fire. Tonight we're going to continue our talk of Blackhawk, but first let's uh, uh, have our crystal of the week, which is uh, Chimera, right? And that's hard to say. If you have buck teeth, like I do, I have kind of a prominent overbite, uh, Chimera, right? It's named after the uh, scientist uh, Chimera for some reason. Um, and it's interesting because it's a, a chromium 
for chlorite is a chlorite stone, but instead of being green, it's purple for some odd reason, uh, some chemical anomaly. And um, um, it's a purple stone, which means, as you know, it uh, harmonizes with the upper two chakras. Um, it's uh, very good. For, it's very useful if you're making protective grids for your home and protective elixirs. Um, these um, usually are found in the uh, Scandinavian countries, and um, they're not easy to find. They're a little expensive, a little pricey, but they're also very powerful. Um, and um, I'll tell you that they're used mostly for creating balance between left brain and right brain functions. Um, they're also used to connect with angelic beings. They're sometimes considered a angelic stone. Um, they also help to spring into the soul star chakra. Um, they do work with the third eye and the crown chakra, but they're also um, useful if you look at them, they have white inclusions to help balance left and right brain activities and to springboard you into soul star chakra stuff, the the higher etheric astral plane stuff. Um, so when you work with these, often you'll recline and place them a little bit above the third eye. So they're good for stimulating third eye, crown chakra, soul star chakra stuff. Uh, they help you overcome over-analytical thinking and uh, bridge into the uh, empathetic and psychic part of your brain. Um, so they're, they're used to um, they're used quite a bit actually for um, um, psychic development and uh, shamanic development. Um, of course, they can be, they're very hard. They can be dropped in water directly for making an elixir. And um, they're um, apparently used a lot in goddess work, and they're used in uh, woman work. Uh, they're helped, uh, they're supposedly very useful uh, for fer fertility work, work for um, <clears throat> problems with fertility, uh, help ease childbirth. Uh, issues and things like this. Um, they're very useful in a set of chakra stones for the uh, third eye, um, crown chakra stones. So um, it's, it's a good one to add if you have the money to buy it. It's a good one to add to your collection. Uh, that's Camerite. This is, as you know, the Crystal Silence League, which was founded around 1917 by Claude Alexander Conlon for the purpose of sending out and projecting positive prayer and affirmation for those in need of such through the agency of crystal balls, crystal spheres. And if you go to www.crystalsilenceleague.org, you'll see its current incarnation. It was not always a cybernetic form, obviously. It was a, a mail order um, organization. You joined via mail. You'd send postcards and letters to uh, Mr. Alexander. Conlon, Claude Alexander Conlon, and he would pray for you. And often he had very great stacks of postcards and letters, and he would set his crystal ball atop these stacks and pray. And you could buy crystal balls from him and uh, little booklets 
on codes and crystal ball pr- gazing, and uh, we, we have those books available. In fact, if you buy crystal, you can have one of those free, or you can buy them for $5 from us in our gift shop. And, and we have another book that I wrote called uh, Crystal Magic, um, Healing, Divination, and Scrying, or Spell Work Through uh, Crystals and Crystal Balls. And I'm pleased to announce the uh, release of the sequel to that called Lithomancy, Divination and Spell Work with Stones and Crystals and Coins. That will be, uh, it's you can pre-order it now. It'll be available in April. And I'll be doing a workshop in Divination readings April 14th and 15th at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Hoodoo Heritage Root Work Festival in Santa Rosa, California. Please, please go register, pre-register for that. We're still taking early registrations, I think. You don't want to miss that. It's uh, held in conjunction with the Santa Rosa uh, Psychic Fair, Psychic Festival, and uh, you uh, you don't want to miss this. It's a very, very nice event. We have, I think, 10 workshops. I'm teaching one of them on lithomancy, divination with stones, crystals, and coins. I'll also be giving readings. So, hey. Um, so if you go to www.crystalsilencelink.org, guess what you find? Uh, lots of stuff there. We have a newsletter. It's on, it's on hiatus, but we have a – right now while we're reorganizing our organization, we'll probably be picking it up again after the festival. But we have archives, and you can uh, read those for free. Prayer is free. And if you go there, you'll notice that we have a prayer page, and you can always post prayers, and you'll have a whole bunch of people praying for you. And uh, it's my custom since we started this whole thing, and we're in our fourth season of the Crystal Silence League Radio Hour. And all those episodes are now archived on the Lucky Mojo Curio Company Forum, all 136 episodes in archived podcast for your listening pleasure I did it myself one at a time it took months to link all those because I love you because I love you the reverend loves you and I go through and I read these prayers each week not all of them just a few of them and I'd like to invite you to pray with me and we'll start with a prayer ID number 70868 who prays for a new life to start. And she says, prayers for everything new and to be successful. Prayers for a new car, a new house, a new handsome, loving, faithful husband. To be financially stable and attract more than enough money to me to support my goals and dreams. Amen. How wonderful. What a wonderful prayer to start with. Prayer ID 70867. He says, tomorrow I have... A long oral surgery where I'll go under sedation. It's my first surgery ever. I seek prayers to have a successful, smooth surgery without any complications or recovery problems. Thank you and bless you. Amen. My first surgery was a molar removal. I had three molars removed under sedation. Uh, and it went well. I think it'll be okay. Prayer ID 70866. Help see to know and understand that I am his soulmate. And that we're meant to be together. Amen. And this is by a Crystal Silence League member. 
That's the first one I've actually seen here, an actual CSL member. Wow. And we have prayer ID 70864. Who won't praise for a miracle? Please soften Jay's heart and open up his eyes to the truth. We had a falling out due to misunderstandings and miscommunication. Mercury retrograde. I know that he's angry for at me for things that he has misunderstood and taken the wrong way. Please soften his heart and surround us today when we talk. Open up his ears and let him hear and understand my words. I have no idea why he's so mad at me. Show him that I am his real friend and he needs me right now. I'm praying for you as well, and thank you for praying for me. Amen. And prayer ID 70862, please pray for Kay. She has the flu. Prayer ID 70859, victory for B over all his court case against the wicked people. This is coming up March 30th against the wicked perpetrators. May he win. Amen. Prayer ID 70857, please make me and Kay relationship stronger by helping him learn how to learn forgiveness. I told him we cannot truly be friends if he holds on to past. We have new baby and I truly wanted the best. He's on the road and pushes me away. He revealed he never wanted a relationship with me again and won't forgive. But later he apologized, but I see pain in him. Still, I slapped him in the past. He's told me before he wants to let things happen naturally, but I'm afraid he'll never forgive me. We need clarity. Amen. Prayer ID 70856. Dear God, please allow me to get paid out of the money that's owed to me by OE. Thanks be to God. Amen. Prayer ID 70854. I want to get married in the year 2018. Amen. Brief and to the point. Prayer ID 70853. Block my neighbors from interfering in our lives. Send him soon, fast, and in a hurry back to me. Stay with me. Stop gossip. Block them messy females and so-called friends. Anyone from us. Runaway evildoers. Break them away. Ladies, he belongs to me. Let him forgive me and let him forgive him. Help him sell his house he's trying to sell. Send another realtor to him. Call me. Come back. Ask me to forgive him. Ask me to marry him. Explain to me. Tell me everything about yourself, job, family, HH and GR. Amen. Prayer ID 70851. Please pray for me to find a loving, respectful, honest guy to fall in love with. Someone that does not call me names. Someone that likes my children's father does right now. We're are trying to stay together for our children, but it's impossible because he's always so angry and yelling at us. We do not deserve to be treated like this. Amen. And prayer ID 70850. Please pray for impotence problem. I also have a lump in my testicle scrotum, which can be dangerous for health. Get to the doctor immediately if you have a lumpy scrotum. Bless you. Amen. Prayer ID 70848. God bless. Please, God, please bless all of our finances today. Bless us with enough that our needs and wants are met. Give us good jobs. Help us to overcome any adversity. Bless our business to grow strong and prosper. Help us to pay all of our bills in full and on time. 
Let good things come our way and protect us from all harm. In Jesus' name, amen. And prayer ID 70845, please pray for me. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on me, a sinner. Lord, not my will, but thy will be done. Let it be unto me as Lord wills. Amen. Let's have a moment of silent prayer for everyone else in this blessed world that needs prayer and meditation and healing and whatever in the world else people need to get by today. I'm drinking this coffee like it's my job. Uh, you know, it's funny. Someone on Facebook posted this meme of um, it's a cartoon that showed a guy drinking coffee in an office out of a you know a Keurig. So man, I'm glad we got this Keurig. We're really saving coffee. We're not wasting coffee anymore. And then it showed a garbage heap of uh, plastic K cups, and it said, uh, "You know, we spent we uh, throw away 150 million plastic." cups a year and everybody's going oh my god the curing is such a waste and someone said they should develop a biodegradable k-cup and of course uh, san francisco coffee company does um it's what i use i've been using them for about a year and uh, uh i have a little i don't have a keurig i have a hamilton beach uh single cup uh pod you know uses k-cups and uh but uh san francisco coffee company makes a biodegradable Cape cup. It comes in a biodegradable bag, and they ship it to you in a cardboard box, also biodegradable. So basically, what you can do is uh, you could throw everything in this out. Just throw it out your window into your backyard, and four or five days later, it's all biodegraded into dirt. It turns into dirt. You can just dig a hole in your backyard, and you don't even have to throw it away. You just throw it 
out your window like they used to do back in England in the 1700s. Just throw all your trash out the window and it, it'll it'll biodegrade. So it's it's already been done. You know if you you know if you're an envirofreak, you know, oh god that endless trail of plastic of the Keurig. You know this is a way to do Keurig guilt free. Uh, and uh, you, you know I have a percolator. I do it like we did when I was a kid. I have a percolator on my stove. You scoop coffee in it and put water in it and turn it on. It goes bloop, bloop, bloop. I don't even use, you know, the drip Mr. Coffee thing. It goes bloop, bloop, and you have a pot of coffee. And days I have readings all day, I use a percolator like you did back in 1960. But there's just times I want a single cup of coffee, and, you know, I use these, and they're biodegradable. You know, that's that's an unsolicited uh, testimonial for a biodegradable K-cup. You know, so if you're a... If you're an old hippie, you know, like me, and you don't want to generate a whole lot of plastic, but do we really have a pollution problem with K-cups? Is this, you know what What I hate worse than that are disposable lighters. I've always hated that idea, a disposable lighter. For God's sake, you get a uh, 100 flames or whatever out of a lighter, then you throw the whole damn thing away. Disposable lighters are what worries, and, and, and soda cans, soda cans. And we're worried about a K-cup, destroying the world with a K-cup. Disposable lighters, you see them everywhere. I've never seen a K-cup, stacks of K-cups on the side of the road. But I do. you know what I do see? I stop at a red light, and every red light I stop at, there's a million cigarette butts where people have emptied their ashtrays at a red light. That, not K-cups. People don't throw their damn K-cups outside their car at a red light. It's the cigarette butts and the disposable lighters that I see everywhere. Rant over. I'm going to drink some coffee now. Hang on. Ah, from my from my biodegradable K cup. Let's finish up with Blackhawk here. Uh, the final sad days of Blackhawk, and we will um, talk about his role in the spiritual church. So, uh, last time we left Blackhawk, he had uh, he had given up. He had surrendered to President Andrew Jackson, uh, basically as a result of uh, the ethnic cleansing policy of the American government. And that it can't really be seen as anything else. There was a policy of ethnic cleansing um, that was based um, on the uh, policy of uh, President Andrew Jackson, who did terrible things. I could, uh, uh, I could go on my own personal crusade about this. Um, Davy Crockett's diary... Uh, Davy Crockett hated Andrew Jackson, and uh, Andrew Jackson destroyed Davy Crockett's uh, political career as a result um, because Davy Crockett defended the uh, Native Americans, uh, especially the Cherokee, against the genocide. And um, in Davy Crockett's diary, he reports how Andrew Jackson and the American Army uh, once, during the Indian Wars, once uh, trapped in a townhouse – uh, somewhere between 25 and 50 uh, Cherokees and Choctaw, mostly uh, old men, women, and children, and burned them alive. Now, here's the gruesome part, as reported by Davy Crockett. Uh, the fat that dripped from their burning bodies, this townhouse had a uh, root cellar that had uh, potatoes stored in it. You can look this up. I'm not making this up. This is part of our American history. Uh, which is often idealized by uh, you know the frontiersmen uh, and uh, and uh, 
Indian war, cowboys and Indians are often idealized, you know, by Matt Dillon and people like John Wayne and stuff in movies. But here's some history for you. The fat from their burning bodies dripped into those root cellars and cooked those potatoes, which were then eaten by Andrew Jackson and his men. Cooked by human fat. You know, which is like cannibalism. So anyway, um, uh, Andrew Jackson went on a uh, nationwide tour with Black Hawk and uh, Keel Cuck, the uh, Sock Cheek uh, chief. So uh, uh, as it turned out, people didn't really – they weren't that curious about the president of the United States, but they were very curious about Black Hawk, and they, they idolized him as a romantic hero. Of the Indian Wars, they'd heard tales about how he eluded the army, and um, um, so uh, Black Hawk set for these artists, um, and they spent six weeks um, at uh, at the Fort Monroe near Old Point Comfort, Virginia, where they were treated well. Um, Black Hawk set for an artist who painted his portrait, and we've seen this portrait. This is a very famous portrait. And a lot more would be done uh, on his uh, return trip to his home. And this trip proved to be a public relations disaster for President Andrew Jackson. So um, uh, at um, Norfolk, Virginia, at the Naval Harbor, uh, he stood on the balcony of his hotel with uh, the prophet uh, Whitehawk, uh, White Cloud, before a very large crowd, and uh, the um, uh, instead of being defeated like defeated warriors, they were more like uh, triumphant uh, politicians as they waved and offered their greetings to the enthusiastic crowd. So they went uh, to Baltimore, where uh, Andrew Jackson met them, making an appearance of his own, and they both went to the theater that night. And Black Hawk was very well received, and Jackson was pretty much ignored. And they um, they uh, were together the next day, where Andrew Jackson made a uh, uh, a victory speech, basically reminding the Indians of the futility of raising the tomahawk against the white people. And he reminded them and said, "Now your chiefs promised uh, your I've given direction that you should be taken to your country and that you'll behave." So from Baltimore, they traveled to Philadelphia, and uh, they commented on how prosperous uh, the cities were, but um, the uh, uh, the adulation of the people and the press and the media really aggravated Andrew Jackson. He did not attend any of the scheduled meetings, none of the theater performances, and none of the press conferences. So uh, Black Hawk did, however. He seemed to enjoy this attention. So, uh, so uh, one of the big newspapers speculated that the president must have felt utter contempt for the senseless crowd. So Jackson Jackson pushed on to New York, uh, uh, riding horseback in a parade down Broadway, where the New York American newspaper observed the only disappointment in the assembled multitude seemed to be that Black Hawk and his friends did not form part of that cortege. So they kind of booed they booed Jackson because Black Hawk wasn't there. So on June 4th, uh, uh, 
both uh, Black Hawk and Jackson were scheduled to attend the takeoff of a hot air balloon, which in those days was quite spectacular. Jackson did not arrive. And as the balloon rose, Black Hawk told a reporter, I think he can go up to the heavens, to the great spirit in that thing. Jackson's absence uh, sent quite a message. And uh, so uh, Turner, who was a reporter at the time, said uh, Jackson would not again be seen in the same lion cage with that little old red man. Remember, uh, Black Hawk at this time was about 70 years old. So in New York, Black Hawk was a celebrity. He was considered the noble savage. And crowds were so tight in front of his hotel that uh, Black Hawk and his party had to be rerouted to go to another. Ladies were reported to have kissed him. Gentlemen gave him gifts. Um, one gentleman gave him a pair of topaz earrings set in gold for his wife. He went to a fireworks display. He went to the theater. He greeted um, fans from his hotel. He was uh, dressed in a frock, t- frock coat and a top hat. Um, according to uh, Turner, who uh, documented all this thing, Black Hawk was making the monkey of the president. This uh, triumphal tour where Jackson was supposed to be touting his victory over the low savage uh, turned into a farce for the president. And uh, But Black Hawk did not act like a jerk over this. Uh, when he uh, dic- Later on, when he, when he dictated his uh, autobiography, he did not make any kind of uh, denigrating remarks about Andrew Jackson. He, he really uh, had to, you know, he really was respectful. So they started their final leg home. Um, a, um, a London publisher uh, who later wrote about this, there's a lot, a lot of uh, eyewitness accounts of every aspect of Black Hawk. The, the, the last of the great uh, uh, rebels of the, the the last great Indian warrior. A lot of accounts of this, eyewitness accounts. Uh, he said he was dressed in a short blue frock coat, white hat, and red leggings tied below the knee with garters. His nose perforated very wide between the nostrils so as to give it the appearance of the upper and lower mandibles of a hawk. He wears light colored leather gloves and a walking stick with a tassel. So the Indians pose for portrait artists whose renditions would become collector's items. Um, so Black Hawk set for many portraits. Um, uh, now, not they didn't have fans everywhere. Um, there were uh, burned in effigy in some places. In Detroit, they were burned in effigy. That doesn't surprise me. Uh, <laughs> um so um, Keelcuck, you remember the uh, arch enemy of uh, of uh, Black Hawk because Keelcuck agreed and tried to work with the uh, white government, uh, arrived to greet back Black Hawk. And when Major John Garland uh, read a document directing the vanquished Black Hawk and the prophet to follow Keokuk's advice and be governed by his counsel on all things, Black Hawk uttered a protest <laughs> and uh, – uh, Donald Jackson, uh, who is a historian, quotes from a letter by the major to the secretary of war. The old man rose to speak, but was so much agitated and embarrassed that he said but a few words, expresses of dissatisfaction, and sat down. So 
the final years of Black Hawk, he settled in a rural Wisconsin community near the Iowa River with his wife, two sons, and a daughter. And it was there that he dictated his autobiography to Antoine Leclerc, a government interpreter of mixed Indian ancestry. Donald Jackson writes that Black Hawk was friendly to the white families who lived in cabins near his own. So this book, this um, autobiography, um, provided a, a, a very uh, complete portrait um, which shows a life of resistance against this um, um, ferocious frontier culture that over time became uh, mythologized by Hollywood, uh, you know, with uh, uh, Indian fighters like John Wayne and uh, uh, Fess Parker and, uh, you know, these uh, Chuck Connors that made, a, made over again as iconographic great men. And the historical truth, as you see, is far different. These are robber barons and genocidal racists. Um, so, um, the pathos that educated white men felt who actually met and knew Black Hawk um, shows that their respect for him um, was more than that of a pity for a bloody savage in the estimation of people like uh, uh, Antoine Leclerc, Donald Jackson, John Latrobe. He was a symbol of nobility and courage. Uh, not much is known about Black Hawk's final years. Um, um, uh, Black Hawk did tour around. He, he toured with um, his friend White Cloud um, and uh, told his story, and he had a, a group of uh, Indians that would do uh, performances. They would do war dances uh, and collect money, and he would tell his story. He, he became like many um, uh, soldiers, uh, Buffalo Bill and people like that. He became a performer or a speaker, um, and um, but eventually he did retire. Um, and um, he says, um, I'll, I'll tell you that there's no evidence that he ever became a Christian or that he became uh, integrated into the white culture. It says he eluded a missionary who tried to proselytize him in the area where he was relocated. The missionary found Keokuk, um, who became impatient with his overtures. And as the tribes went deeper into debt, they had to sell off more of their remaining land. Uh, in 1838, it's known that Black Hawk and his family moved again to a site on the Des Moines River um, at an Independence Day celebration <clears throat> in Fort Madison, where he was honored. The aging chief uh, said bitterly um, in a speech he made, I was once a great warrior. I'm now poor. And Keokuk has been the cause of my present situation. <laughs> so he really never forgave Keokuk. And he died later that year, and his grave was robbed. The governor of the recently created Iowa Territory obtained Black Hawk's skeleton and kept it on view in his office, wrote D. Brown in Bury My Heart at Wounded Knee. And the bones ended up in a museum in Burlington, Iowa. And in 1855, Indians burned the building to the ground, you know, and good for them. 
And so there is no Black Hawk grave, but in Rock Island stands a statue commemorating him. And members of the spiritual churches of New Orleans travel long distances on pilgrimages to honor that statue. And that ends the story of Black Hawk, the man. Let's go to station identification, and we'll come back, and we'll pick up some of the story of the spiritual churches. The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hoodoo Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Conjurman Ollie, Sundays, 3 to 4.30, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays, 5 to 6, Fit and Foxy, Madame Nadia and Jaya Dania, Wednesdays, 6 to 7, and The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays, 6 to 7, all time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Sort of like Blackhawks last year's, uh, the origins of the black spiritual movement are obscure, but uh, appears to uh, have merged as far as documentation can be found um, in various large cities in both the North and the South, uh, particularly uh, Chicago, New Orleans, New York, Detroit, and Kansas City uh, during the first quarter of the 20th century. And uh, during that period, the movement began to combine elements of spiritualism, Roman Catholicism, uh, voodoo and hoodoo, and other esoteric belief systems. Um, Elements of these uh, traditions seem to have been grafted or merged with a, uh, um, a black form of Protestantism that began uh, in the 17 or 1800s and matured in uh, Baptist, Methodist, Holiness, and Pentecostal denominations and sects. It's a very uh, eclectic blend. Uh, now, uh, apparently... Uh, According to uh, some researchers, holiness and spiritualist churches were established in the black community of Chicago during the first decade of the 20th century. And many of these were storefront churches. They appeared in Chicago during the early migration years. They called themselves Baptists. Uh, they were closely resembled holiness and Pentecostal groups uh, in their form of worship. Some of them called themselves spiritualists, uh, which was a very vague term used to identify those groups that believed in communication of the spirit and that attempted to relay messages and spirits through mediums. And the, there may have indeed been many uh, black spiritualist groups, particularly of the storefront variety at the time in Chicago and possibly elsewhere, the earliest specific congregation mentioned by uh, this historian uh, named Spear that really, really dug into it is the Church of the Redemption. Uh, the Chicago Defender, which is a very well-known black newspaper, carried an advertisement on August 28, 1915, noting that the Church of the Redemption held regular services on State Street. Elsewhere, um, a historian by the name of Caslow notes that Mother Leafy Anderson a black spiritualist who was destined, as we know, to play a very important role in the development of the spiritual religion in New Orleans, 
established the Eternal Life Christian Spiritualist Church in Chicago in 1913. So, according to Spear, several true black spiritualist churches were organized between 1915 and 1920, adding elements of the Baptist, Holiness, and Pentecostal storefront to those of spiritualism. So, if the black spiritual movement started in Chicago, its development in New Orleans appears to have been of vital importance in determining the spiritual church in its present form. Now, there's much opposition in the South uh, at that time. There was, at that time, um, in um, uh, there was a lot of opposition in the South to American spiritualism um, uh, in the uh, late 1800s to American spiritualism, which began in uh, New York, you know, um, uh, with the Fox sisters. Um, uh, when when they began hearing spirit raps in their home and uh, and American spiritualism became all the rage uh, up north, um, but American spiritualism spread to Memphis, Macon, Georgia, Charleston, uh, New Orleans, um, because the uh, doctrines of American spiritualism were favorable uh, to. Equality and liberalism, and uh, uh, also because American spiritualism was very compatible with uh, many of the African religions. So spiritualism found adherents among the black population of the South. So a stronghold of spiritualism in the South seems to have been New Orleans, where many circles uh, were held not only by the white, but also by the black population. And uh, many, uh, many of the mediums uh, in New Orleans uh, were black. There was a, a leading spiritualist um, named Dr. Bartlett and uh, another named Dr. Valmore, who was a Creole. Uh, Dr. Bar- Bartlett was uh, was a black man, and Dr. Valmore was a Creole, and they both became very prominent uh, mediums and uh, hypnotists. Uh, Dr. Valmore was a hypnotist. So Mother Leafy Anderson a woman of mixed black and Indian ancestry, by her account, started the first black spiritualist or spiritual church in New Orleans, uh, which was called the Eternal Life Spiritualist Church. Um, somewhere between 1920-1921, um, which became popular not only among blacks, but also some whites. And... Um, she trained several other women uh, who established congregations of their own, um, and um, we know that she started a church in Chicago and eventually came to New Orleans. Uh, so um, she became the head of an association that eventually had um, churches in uh Chicago, Little Rock, Memphis, Pensacola, Biloxi, Houston, and some other cities. Now, uh, Leafy Anderson herself did not approve of voodoo, interestingly enough. Other spiritual churches that were stationed in New Orleans uh, did, that, so even those that were outgrowths of her own, did incorporate elements of voodoo as well as Catholicism, um, uh, according to... Um, uh, 
Zola Zola Hurston, who uh, I'm sure many of you know, uh, the strong aroma of hoodoo clung to a number of those churches. Mother Anderson passed away in 1927, but her spirit still appears to many of the women who carry on her work and gives instructions to her wishes. Now, um, uh, one of the followers of uh, Mother Anderson became the leader of one of the best-known spiritual churches in New Orleans with the Temple of the Innocent Blood, established in 1922 by Mother Catherine Seals. Um, The congregation was the forerunner of many other spiritual groups in the city, and it incorporated many aspects of Catholicism, uh, including uh, the use of the cross, votive candles, holy pictures, elaborate altars, and statues. Um, now, um, before Mother Catherine died uh, in 1930, Mother Catherine, um, who uh, said she was inspired by the Holy Spirit, prophesied she would, ri- she would rise from the dead. And she was succeeded by Mother Rita, who renamed... The, the church, uh, the church of the true light. Um, now, before Mother Catherine died, she completed a manger, as she called it, near the church, which could reportedly seat up to 300 people. So th- these were not small organizations. Um, there were several other spiritual temples established in New Orleans during the 20s. Um, Mother Leafy Anderson had the Eternal Life Spiritualist Church. Catherine Seals had Temple of Innocent Blood. Mother C.J. Hyde, St. James Temple of Christian Faith. Mother L. Crozier, Church of the Helping Hand in Spiritual Faith. Mother E. Keller, St. James Temple of Christian Faith Number 2. Bishop Thomas B. Watson in the 1920s, Spiritualist Church of the Southwest. Mother Catherine Francis, St. Michael's Church Number 1. Mother Shannon, St. Anthony's Daniel's Helping Hand Divine Chapel, Father Daniel DuPont, St. Michael's Church Number 9, plenty of these. Uh, it, was, it was a movement. Um, so there were many, many of these uh, particular churches. Um, now, uh, many, many of them were women, but some were men. And now there were churches in the north. The spiritual movement uh, underwent a tremendous growth period during the 20s and 30s. Um, there were um, in Bronzeville, the black section of Chicago. There were many churches. Um, now I'm going to tell you that um, um, there were 17 spiritualist storefronts in Bronzeville, Chicago, by 1938. There were 51 spiritualist churches, and in 1928, one church in 20 was spiritualist. In 1938, one in ten. I'll also tell you that in 1930, Divine Harmony Spiritual Church was founded in Harlem by the Reverend Adele Clemens, and she moved to Wilkes Bar, Pennsylvania. Now, some of these um, uh, ceremonies um, were peculiar to these churches. I want to tell you that there there are saints. you know, we talked about St. Blackhawk, St. Expeditus, who is a saint who uh, helps make things fast. Um, there, there are um, saints from voodoo. Uh, we know that Papa Legba shows up, and Papa Legba often takes the form of St. Peter because he's the gatekeeper. Uh, 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 Papa Samadhi shows up uh, with a snake sometimes. Um, you'll see Jesus and a snake side by side 
in spiritualist churches, um, which is very interesting. And uh, you'll see Black Hawk in a bucket, uh, spiritualist churches, quite often. Um, the idea of a, uh, a deity in a bucket is an African custom uh, Central Afri- uh, from Central Africa. Now, we talked last week about the blessed services. Um, there's a whole lot, there's a, a variety of practices that take place in um, spiritual churches testifying, anointing with holy oil, um, and prophesying. And prophesying is uh, a special service called a blessed service or a prophecy service. Uh, it'll often occur during the end of a regular Sunday service. Um, during the session, a prophet relates various aspects of the present, past, and future of selected individuals in the congregation. Sometimes three or four individuals or more than ten may be chosen by the prophet to receive messages. Prophets sometimes approach and give certain individuals private messages or tell them that they will receive a private message after the service. Ordinarily, the recipient's not expected to make a financial donation to a prophet for this particular service. On certain occasions, however, if a traveling prophet is in town, there may be such an expectation. Um, now, uh, in this particular book I have, which is called The Black Spiritual Movement, A Religious Response to Racism by Hans A. Baer, which is an awful book. It's simply awful. He doesn't know the difference between voodoo and hoodoo. He thinks hoodoo is a watered-down version of voodoo. Um, but um, it's got good eyewitness accounts of certain things. Um, he uh, he talks about uh, the Sacred Heart Spiritual Temple in Nashville. The blessed service is regularly conducted on Wednesday nights um, during the warmer months of the year. And um, uh, he talks about a blessed service. So uh, um, he says uh, that um, uh, Reverend Wilson begins the prophecy portion of the service. He directs his attention to me. I see a trip coming up, a trip that you have been planning for some time. He mentions a sister who will meet with me and ask whether I understand. Um, he says something like a Catholic sister. And uh, Reverend Wilson has a message for everyone in the congregation. He orders a young woman who's slouching in her seat to sit up and tells her, if you continue in your present thoughts, you'll stay in a rut. He next turns to a middle-aged woman. I, I see I get some beautiful plans and thoughts for you. You must continue to fight for what you want. The only thing holding you back is a negative attitude. You have the capacity to make a lot of dreams come true. To a missionary of the church, he says, I get an old-fashioned person planting sweet potatoes. Wilson instructs her to bake a sweet potato and use it to obtain a blessing. Finally, he tells the wife of Reverend Odom, I pick up a house with you. When we get messages, we talk about things that we don't know. We see you stepping up a little higher in a material sort of way. I see green grass, a symbol of prosperity. The Lord is healing you. Don't think negatively about your condition. Think positively. After the prophecy session at about 10.20 p.m., an offering is taken up and the service is ended with a hymn. Afterward, Reverend Wilson takes certain individuals aside and attempts to clarify for them the meaning of the messages that they received from the Spirit. And he, he talks about a few of these. Um, 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 one of these, uh, Bishop Douglas, comes to the pulpit. Some of you have come to see what I'm going to do. I'm a preacher. I've been born again. She briefly speaks in tongues and then resumes, I'm going to get people interested in going to church again. You can't be spiritual without belonging to a church. You need to be born again. Um, and then... Um, Apparently, she 
she uh, gives some readings, and she uh, gives out uh, blessed fruit, and uh, people who eat of this fruit are blessed. Now, there is another uh, ceremony I want to talk to you about, and then I want to uh, play something for you. I wish I had a better recording of it, uh, but I have a recording of a blessed service, and uh, 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 there is a ceremony here, um, a special demonstration the most unusual of which is the devil's funeral. When I attended this demonstration, he writes, it was held in a school auditorium because it was believed that the church would not be large enough to accommodate the crowd. Um, it says, uh, Reverend Cardwell announced that the devil died last night and he's going to be buried. Below the stage was a coffin surrounded by several floral bouquets. Between hymns and prayers, various speakers made short remarks concerning the iniquities of the devil and the confusion that he had created in the world. Eventually, now get this, eventually Reverend Cardwell instructed the congregation to list on paper 12 things that you want burned out of your life. He noted that the, they would be burned the following day in the fire of truth and invited everyone to witness the devil's final burial. Reverend Cardwell then read the devil's obituary, focusing on the trials and tribulations that he created for various biblical characters. Symbolically, burying the devil is intended to eliminate all negative forces, allowing the positive thoughts that remain to ensure prosperity, happiness, and health. That's called the devil's funeral. Now, then after this, the congregation is invited to receive one of many fruits that the elder consecrated the previous night. The eating of the fruit will result in a blessing for its consumer. At the end of the service, the elder gives messages to several people in the congregation. Then there's development classes where you go and uh, learn various skills such as uh, receiving messages, healing, etc. Uh, what I'm going to play for you now is a blessing service that I performed once about 12 years ago. Uh, I have several of these. This is the only one I could find immediately. I'm, I'm very busy, I'm, I, and I've got these somewhere, but I'm going to find a better one for you. But uh, I was invited to give a, a demonstration of prophecy for a group, and this was a group of non-believers. This was a group of people who had no belief in spirituality of any kind. Uh, I'm afraid drinking was involved with this group, and I asked them to uh, um, concentrate not ask out loud, but concentrate on specific questions and to write them down on cards and keep them in front of them. And uh, then I was, uh, I always work in the dark, so I asked to be blindfolded, and they came up and they wrapped my head, they about strangled me to death. They wrapped my head up in scarves uh, so I would be in the dark, and then I would call out their names and answer their questions through spirit. And um, you'll hear this uh, music in the background because uh, we played music for it, and uh, but you'll see that I, I invited them to ask any question of spirit that they wanted to, and they asked all these dumb questions uh, that just to test me. And they could have asked anything. They could have asked any kind of question that would have enlightened their life. Usually that's what I get, but this is what they ask, and you'll, you'll see. But um, anyway, I hope you enjoy this uh, recording, and you'll see what, uh, what it sounded like. But here we go. Psychic circuit with you. You are the positive pole. I am the negative pole. What I need you to do is concentrate on your words. What I will do is try to form a connection. Now I'm going to ask. I'm going to call out your name. Maybe if I call out your name and it makes sense to you, please stand up and say that I'm here. I'm getting three initials. O, T, T. These are names. O, T, 
key. Does that ring a bell to anybody? Think of the first one, please. O M I. Is that right? Omi? Will you please think of the second one? Tony? And that's Tony with an I. Think of the last one. Ta. Who are those, you kids? Imagine, oh, imaginary friends. <laughs> Do you know what? When I was a little kid, I was an imaginary friend. Hurt you, brother? Yeah. Okay, okay, good. I'm getting very strong from you. Uh, you want to know if you be able to retire early, right? <laughs> uh, you want to know how the theory of relativity works? Well, it was based on Newtonian physics, where objects, objects at rest tend to remain at rest until moved by an external force. Einstein saw that it was impossible to tell if objects were in motion at all unless you had a fixed focal point. So when two objects are actually uh, in motion away from each other, the further apart they get, the, the more difficult it is to tell the influence of one over the other uh, from an outside observer. Does that, does that help you out with that? You're, you work with children, don't you? You touch their lives in a positive way. You're very blessed. They're made children who love you. You show them how to do things, and um, they love you for that. Um, I hope you continue to work for a long time. Does that make sense to you? You're a teacher. Thank you. Well, you want to know if you'll shoot all 18 holes. Uh, oh, you shoot your age. Is that right? Is that right? Yeah. One of your two grades? Is that a good score? I don't play golf. 74 is a good score. When you're 74. <laughs> I wouldn't be 74 if you've already holding it pretty good. Kevin, you want to know if you're going to be a millionaire? Um, you will if you marry into it. Find you a sugar mama. Uh, Scott. Um, Miami, Uganda. How is that possible? <laughs> How is that possible? The line between the possible and the impossible is the thin of the soap bubble, and I pop it. So those were various messages from Spirit that I delivered to this particular group. This went, it was went on for about ninety minutes, I think, and um, that's that's an excerpt from it, and. Uh, you see, they came to scoff and they left believers. You see, ah, how's that possible? And oh my God, and this sort of thing. And uh, people came up and tried to tell me it was cold reading and stuff like that. And I said, well, you know, I, I gave specific information about where this guy was uh, planning on visit visiting next year. And uh, so um, uh, this was uh, not necessarily a blessing service, but a demonstration of spiritual reading. And uh, I'm going to try in the next week to give you some more examples of it, um, how spirit can connect and give readings. But next week we'll continue our discussion, so we'll see you then. Bye-bye.